I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Intercooler podcast is sponsored by JBR Capital, one of the UK's leading car finance specialists. Now, we only partner with like-minded organisations who really understand what it means to be a car enthusiast. And JBR Capital is a perfect fit for us. It's run by people who really love cars. And importantly, vehicle finance is all JBR Capital does. That alone is what the company exists to do. So whether you're looking to fund a classic sports car, supercar or hypercar, see what JBR Capital can do for you. And it's not just about very high-end, expensive unobtainium. In fact, the minimum borrowing is £25,000 and the average £80,000. Head to JBR Capital on social media or jbrcapital.com online and tell them the intercooler sent you. Right, let's get on with this week's podcast. Welcome to the Intercooler Podcast. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, this is the last episode of 2021. I'm Dan Prosser with Andrew Frankel. Now, Andrew, uh, yeah, this is the final episode. Yeah, we're going to give ourselves a week off, aren't we? Yay! We are. I mean, it's been a busy year, hasn't it? It's been a busy year for us and also for sort of the car world as a whole. So I think this is going to be a fairly reflective episode of the TI podcast. Um, yeah, we're, gonna look, look, we're gonna look forward a little we're gonna look forward a little bit as well aren't we i hope we will we'll do a little bit of that but i mean hopefully this episode has a sort of end of term feel because that's i always feel that way at this time of year when we're sort of going into the last couple of working days of the year and everything is just a little bit of a struggle i find knocking out the last few bits of work um so this is going to be a fairly low-key one just looking back at the previous 12 months and as you say looking forward just a little bit um so should we sort of start off with some highlights of the year uh i mean we could talk about us a little bit can't we we can talk about the intercooler it was way back at the start of the year that we rebranded from drive nation to the intercooler um it seems like about five years ago to me now (laughs) yeah it's a distant memory isn't it so were we still calling it dn this year I think it's around February time that we that we yeah. changed it. You know, I, I still have such fond memories of of Drive Nation. In fact, the company um, that does everything that we do is still called Drive Nation Media, isn't it? And it always uh, will and, be, I, 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 and it always will be. Um, and I have such a soft spot. I, you know, I, have, I have such happy memories of you know you and I having those early meetings um, and you know just talking about creating something you know which could be really really easily accessed but was 
at the same time a thing of quality and a thing of which you know you I and in time anybody else who might work for it could be proud of um and yeah that kind of just it, it, it's like sort of making a, a snowman isn't it you start with a little you know a flake of snow and you roll it a bit and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you know lo and behold the next thing you know you've got podcasts and apps and instagram sites and, and that's even before we discuss um what we're going to do next year which is a whole other conversation but not not very much i should say we're going to have now but we might give you a little a little taster um but we have um whatever we've achieved in the past um there's a sight more ahead of us than there is behind isn't there yeah there is so we hope okay <laughs> let's do you know what let's let's just cover that off briefly we're not going to say loads because um it's very early days but we have just in the last few days actually um signed with a brilliant agency to help us deliver the intercooler phase two um and the the sort of headline news as we step from phase one to phase two is that we will have a full uh a full all singing all dancing website to complement the app the app will continue and we'll have a website to sit along with it and the whole point about it really is well a it makes us more visible um that's a big part of it but also b it's all about adding convenience for our subscribers, isn't it? So you said it just now. We wanted to make really high-quality car and motorsport journalism just as readily available as any other type of content out there. And having an app helps us do that. Having a, a really great website helps us do that. So, yeah, it's an important step as we just improve the the offering, isn't it, really? Yeah, and the agency, I'm, I'm not going to go into great details, but... Um we spent so long looking for the right people to work with. We spoke to so many really good agencies um, who, you know, have stellar reputations and, and, you know, and, you know, were, you know, very keen to work with us. And then these guys popped up um, and the difference with them, other than obviously, you know, they, they tick all the boxes in terms of their creative brains and, you know, and, and, and everything that we need them to do, but they're a bunch of petrol heads and they knew about us, you know, they knew about, you know, they were, following dn from day one uh they're among our earliest subscribers to the app and we didn't have to explain anything did we we just they he just said he just said yeah well of course you know you do this and you know you need to do that so um this is what we can do and so it's 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 very very early days we've only just got the ball rolling but um yeah at some stage hopefully in the early (laughs) earlier part of next year um that'll roll out and um and that also it just gives us so much more scope to do other stuff doesn't it so yeah mm. very it very does. excited about that it's a bit scary um because it still has to subscribe to the same values it's got to be right isn't it um and you know neither you nor i um will let it um appear until it is um but when it does hopefully it'll be uh it'll be another big step for us yeah so to the chap who made the introduction thank you very much um, indeed yes yeah, appreciate brilliant. it brilliant <laughs> Um, well, okay, so as we're talking about 2022 rather than 2021, um, I, I also just want to say that for the last almost three years, a big chunk of my time has been um, taken up working for piston heads. Uh, and I, I love working for piston heads. When I was, I think, 18, maybe 19, one of the first pieces I ever got paid to write was for piston heads. Um, and on and off throughout my writing career, I've contributed. So um, it's always a pleasure to be associated with Piston Heads. However, from the end of this month, um, I will be ending that association purely because I'm going full-time with the Intercooler. 
And so I'd, it's, you know, it's, it's big enough now and there's enough momentum and there's enough, enough going on with it now that it's just demanding more of our time, isn't it? So I'm, I'm giving up my, with a heavy heart, actually, giving up my piston head stuff and just committing fully to the intercooler, which is a significant step. Um, and it just means that apart from sort of managing and overseeing this new website project of ours, I'll have more time to do more video stuff, to do much more on social media, to do more with this podcast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we thought that 2021 was a big year for the intercooler, next year is going to dwarf it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, well, 2021 was huge for the intercooler because it, it, it came into it being. It became the intercooler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, I mean, there's probably some tortures analogy about you know it having been in nappies in 2021 and in 2022 is the year that it gets up and walks or runs or who knows but um yeah it's we're, we're, we're very excited we should probably stop banging on about ourselves now though um or, or, or the intercooler certainly um and talk about i don't know cars so let's have it this in 2021 you bought a caterham um oh i did and, and you've spoken about it a bit before but yeah, I think it's at this time of year. It's just worth reflecting on the first few months of ownership of your lovely seven. Um, is it still running at this time of year? Uh, yeah, I was out in it about well, not that recent, about ten days ago, I suppose. Um, Very good. And in fact, I um, I was going to go out in it at the weekend, and I can't remember what happened. Oh, I know exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, no, um, the need to collect a Christmas tree happened. Um, so that was uh, so that was the Land Rover rather than the Caterham. Um, yeah, it's, um, I still just love the simplicity about it. And, and I, I, and you know, it's, it's everything I need in a car. Um, and it's a, whatever it is, it's a 24 year old, um, 1.7 liter bit of Ford cast iron motor. Uh, and yet everything I want a car to do in terms of the way it delivers its performance and the way that it handles it, the way that it goes, stops and steers. Um, I don't need anything else. I know, and this, this, this is the joy, this is the joy that I know whenever I like, I can just, for what is a very, very reasonable amount of money, sitting in my shed right now, there's a car, I can just go out and I know I'm going to love driving it. And that to me is the, you know, the privilege of, being, of having something at your disposal whenever you like that you know Every time you're going to get in it, it's going to be an occasion. It's going to be an adventure. You're going to come back full of happiness and joy and um, adrenaline pumping and, and everything else. And you know, everything that I love about cars is in that car. Uh, and yeah, it's in my shed now. And um, I'm just really, really, really happy and pleased to to have it. And presumably your love for the A110 is, remains undiminished. Uh, it does and actually what i found and this is a very obvious thing to say so the difference i i I guess the key difference between my car and yours is that mine is my everyday car it's my only car um and so it does have to do all the boring stuff as well um and given given what it is it does that really well but it's it's very easy for it just to fall into that role alone because if you don't make the effort to get out in it and go for a really good worthwhile drive on great roads you find that you only use it for motorway journeys, for bombing around town, for commuting, whatever. And that's, it's just such a terrible shame to allow a car like that to just fall into that kind of use case. Does it, so, does it still always feel special? Or do you just, it, does it ever get to a stage where it's just what you get about the place in? And, and, and when you get in it, you don't 
think about how beautifully it steers or how it rides or the handling. You, it, it, it's, it's just a device for doing a job. It, it, no, you it doesn't get to that point. It, it was, you, 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 there's a danger that you start to get to that point. But um, I haven't yet because I just... It, it always does feel a bit special and I love just seeing it. Um, but what, I, what I've really noticed is that I can spend a week in a press car. Um, and for instance, this happened when I had a Range Rover Sport SVR Ultimate. Actually, I had that for car for two weeks. So I did five, 600 miles in it. Um, and then I stepped back into my car and just in a split second, it all just feels right. And I'm just happy to be back in something low and light and small. As you say, something that steers beautifully, something that has balance. Something, it just Even just pulling out of my car park and driving around the corner, it just feels right. Um, but the, I think the, the key thing to owning a car, any kind of performance car, is that you take the effort to get out and use it properly. Um, and whenever I do that, I just totally fall head over heels with it again because it's so brilliant um, across, you know, along a B road or across a mountain road. And so we did this a couple of weeks ago when, what was the storm that we had recently? Storm Arwen or something. Arwen, yes. Arwen. And there was a yeah. B as well. There was a Barra as well. But the, okay, the worst, so but the first one was the worst one. The fir- yeah, it was the first one. So it was uh, a Sunday morning, or maybe it was a Saturday morning, um, and three of us went out in two cars. Um, I was in my Alpine, and a friend was in. He's just bought a, a Renault Sport Clio 197, um, which is yeah, brilliant little thing. So he, off we went. Um, we started dead early, uh, and. <laughs> As we were driving out of Bristol um, through Clifton, I mean, this was probably the sign that we should have turned around. There was an enormous old tree across the road and it had knocked down an old wall. Um, We had to drive around this thing and probably at that point we should have gone, this might not be the morning for this. Um, And of course, the old uh, Seven Bridge, the one towards your house was closed. So we had to come up with a different route, go over the new one um, and then wobble over to the Breckens. Um, and the so the roads were a bit wet and as you get up onto the peaks um, they were icy and frosty and actually had snow and hail on them Um, and really that should be utterly terrifying in any car you should just want to turn around um, and get back to the bottom where the roads are relatively dry but somehow in the Alpine, it just it just found grip and it just felt really sure-footed. Um, and actually, I could I could carry on having fun just driving through this very thin layer of white, slushy, icy stuff. Um, but the thing that really blew me away was there's a brilliant hill, brilliant road that goes over the hill from sort of Abergavenny to Blynavon. Um, and right at the start of it, there's this enormous compression. Um, and if you're driving a bit sort of spiritedly, you come into this compression and the car just sits down and you sort of get pinged out the other side. And the A110 loves it. It just, I had, I had one of my best mates in the car with me um, and he, he said, wow, that just soaked that up, didn't it? And the lad behind in the Clio, which actually has been lowered, it's on lowering springs, um, he, he just followed me through. He didn't know the road. He just followed me through and he said it hit the compression so hard the the the, uh, the light up in the roof lining popped out. The glove box flew open, and all the stuff came tumbling out. Um, and it was only a little bit later on that we realised 
because it's a, it, the car's a bit lower, um, doesn't have a great deal of suspension travel, you know, very skinny tyre sidewalls. It was only a few minutes later we realised there was an enormous bulge you know, sticking out the side of his tyre sidewall. Um, and that was just a very vivid demonstration of why my car is just so well suited to our roads. It just soaks up all that stuff. And his Clio, which is a brilliant car, great chassis on it, but it just could not cope with that demon compression. Um, and it was, you know, after just being reminded how good the thing is and also doing some skids in it around roundabouts and tight hairpins, I just, it's just fantastic. And you've been knocking so, about in one recently, haven't you? I have. I was going to talk about the Legend, the Legend GT, uh, which I'm sure everybody knows, is basically it's your car with the S engine. Um, so how much power has that got compared to yours? Two, 292 horsepower. As opposed Mine's to got 248. Your... Yeah, okay. There's another 40 um, horsepower, isn't it? Um, yeah, but there's no more torque, is there? So it's just it's just uh, up the top end. And, you know, I say I haven't gone and done the the financial calculations in terms of what it's worth but i think if i'm honest if i could i would i just i thought it was superb in a way that i didn't think the s was because it hasn't got you know it, it's got the standard suspension on it um and what I, actually the car i really want doesn't exist which is a pure so is yours a pure yeah yeah so basically i want your car with a hot engine now if you buy a legend you have to have the big seats and all the other bells and whistles on it i don't want that i want the absolute basic a110 but with the hot engine um and maybe they'll do that at some stage but um i did love it i did love it and it's the kind of car that you know let us not forget that to this day it's still the only 10 star car that we've it's the only car we ever awarded 10 stars to um and anything um if you haven't been in it for a bit um, you kind of forget a little bit. And I got back into it. And particularly when what is so great about it is so subjective. And it's just the basically, you know, because you can look at that car on a piece of paper and you think, well, what's all the fuss about? You've got to get in it and drive it and just feel the way that it steers and rides. And, and then you just know that you are an, an exquisitely engineered car. And it is. Um, and yeah, um, if it suited my life and, you know, everything else that goes on around, um, I'd have one. As you do. Well, you sent me a very portentous text message when you had this car saying, um, is this the last great combustion engine sports car? And we thought maybe it would be. The Amira? I, th- I, think, I, think I, I think I said, is this the last great driver's car? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I wasn't saying this is the last great driver's car, but I think, I think it's a legitimate question to put. Mm. Because, you know, neither you nor I... No, you know, to put these things in sort of ultimate, infinite terms is clearly silly because, you know, who knows what the world would have dreamt of in, you know, even 10 years' time, let alone 20, 30, 50, 100. But <clears throat> it's all going to be very different, isn't it? And, you know, and those sort of feels, that feel that you get from a compact, softly sprung, very lightweight car, I don't see where that's going to come from. I really don't. And I, and I hate saying it, but, you know, I can see that there can be all sorts of ways that, you know, very impressive. You know, I was out in America driving the Taycan GTS um, three or four weeks ago. Um, massively impressive car. I mean, you drive it. It's like 2.4 tons, whatever it is. And I drove it around Willow Springs Racetrack, which is a pretty daunting place. And you're just thinking, this is ridiculous. There's no way that a four-door car weighing that much 
should be this composed around, frankly, one of the toughest tracks there is, for particularly for a road car with no downforce. Um, and so you just think that's amazing and you admire it so much. But when you get back to the hotel, get out of it and go off and I don't know, do some work or go have a meal or whatever, you, you're not sitting there thinking about it. You're thinking about, you know, when your beer's going to turn up or, you know, whether you're going to hit your deadline. It's, it's not... It's not, and I'd say this about any electric car. If any electric car was going to like stay with you, that one would. And it just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's a device. Yeah, so your question is a legitimate one. I mean, we, we hope the Lotus Amira will be excellent. The thing is, with the, the, the petrol and diesel ban, what, effectively only eight years away now? 2030, is it? Yeah. Um, and you know, similar bans in other countries across Europe. But they will ban themselves before then because nobody's going to be selling, you know, cars on, you know, December the 31st, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, 2029, because who's going to buy that car? <laughs> Colin Goodwin said he would. He wants to be the last person to buy a V8 Corvette, doesn't he? <laughs> um, I suppose yeah. Colin, he will be, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, but the, that's the point, isn't it? With only eight years left, that's the life cycle of a car. Um, yeah. And so... You know, unless it arrives next year, no one's going to go and develop a, a brand new ground up sports car like the A110 was um, because there just isn't time. There isn't time to sell it for long enough and get your money back. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's, a, it's an interesting point. Do you know what? I, I drove a couple of cars last week, a couple of electric cars that made me think um, I, can, I can see an EV sports car. Pray tell. The face, the face, and I have to qualify it. You know, I'd, I, I don't think it will ever be a proper Sunday. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think a great engine and a gearbox that gives you that extra I cars, interaction. I know, the, I know the cars you're talking about. Okay, go on then. What yeah. am I talking about? Uh, they're BMWs, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Okay. They are indeed. Go on. So I didn't. Um, okay, okay. So. I'm not sure we will ever have an electrically powered car that will move us and stir us and excite us in quite the same way. But I am now convinced there can be um, an electric sports car that is fun to drive to some degree. Um, And for a long time, I just wasn't sure if that was possible. Um, So I drove uh, a BMW i3 S, which is not a new car, um, but I drove it for a good reason that will become clear on the app quite soon. and I actually just like driving a car like that as quickly as I can. On, even on flowing B-roads, I found a few. Um, and to some extent, it was enjoyable. But the other car I drove was uh, an i4, but not the M50 model that you had a go in. And I don't think you were terribly impressed, were you? I wasn't. I wasn't at all. It felt cumbersome and ponderous. and Yeah, So, but, but I can remember thinking... I suspect the standard car is an awful lot better than that. Is an awful lot better than this, and, and you're telling me that it is. So this is. This is well, I didn't drive the M1. So this is the yeah. the i440. It's the rear drive one, single motor, um, and I I enjoyed it actually. Didn't you know? It didn't blow me away, but I really enjoyed driving it. Um, I think what I like about it is that it actually feels very conventional. You know, it just feels like a four series, doesn't it? Inside. Um, to sit in and to sort of operate um, and it's plenty brisk enough with that single motor it, it really does in the way of electric cars it really does get going and that sort of wilts and fades above 50 or 60 miles an hour but you know for the road that, that doesn't really matter does it um, 
But I found a car that steered well, that felt really balanced, um, that felt keen and agile. It just felt like a, the way a BMW saloon car or sort of four-door coupe, I suppose, the way one of those should feel. Yeah. Um, just and well sorted. Any, and without any M badges on it, uh, without any pretension, that, then That's your, the key. You know, your expectations yeah. are not um, there to be shattered, are they? It, it seems to me that M and RS and AMG in this new world of ours that we're heading towards will only stand for more performance. It does, it does sort of feel that way, whereas to people like us, an M should be the most engaging BMW. And it sounds as though the M50 i4 isn't that. Um, but actually, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed driving the, 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 rear, the rear-driven single-motor i4. And also, if you turn off the stability control, it just does skids everywhere, particularly on a, a, a sort of wet, greasy road. Every yeah. roundabout, every junction, it's just... Well, it's and of course, because it's almost silent, no one knows you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, come on, yeah, go on. And so, I, I, I stepped out of those two cars, uh, the i3s and the i4, and just thought, I am now convinced that in a purpose-built sports car, so perhaps it's the the Alpine that we know is coming. Um, and David Tuig wrote a brilliant piece for the Intercool about how to make electric cars fun to drive, an electric sports car, and he just makes the case for a car that's as light as possible. Has a modest battery. There's a single motor at the back. Um, he thinks you could get something like that down to 1,300, maybe 1,400 kilos, which is still a good chunk heavier than um, an A110. But it's sort of Cayman Boxster territory, isn't it? Um, and I can see myself really enjoying one of those. Maybe not to the same extent as a combustion car, but enjoying it nonetheless. And actually, driving those BMWs just made me feel a whole lot more hopeful. Good. We're going to have to persuade you, though, aren't we? <laughs> you bet. Can I, can, I just, can I just briefly trot through some of the cars um, that I've driven in the year and just some thoughts about them? And these are mainly cars that have surprised me one way or the other, probably yeah. for positive reasons. So um, if I had a car of the year, and this is not my, the best car I drove this year, but it's the car that I guess I was most pleased to have driven... It's the GTAM Alfa Romeo Giulia. Only because I have wait, I have been waiting for, and I mean this quite literally, decades for Alfa Romeo to build a car like that. Um, a car, and I, you know, I, unlike most people, I was not a huge fan of the Quadrifoglia. Uh, I thought it was overpriced. Well, I mean, the GTAM is massively overpriced, but I didn't think that dynamically it was that impressive where the gtam is it's a proper proper alfa romeo's driver's car you know in a way the 4c wasn't in a way that well we haven't seen from alfa romeo for such a long time um you know since the sz i guess um and it just made my heart sore to think that someone somewhere has finally got the bloody message and you know and it's whatever it is it's, it's it's more expensive than a gt3 i mean it's crazy money um and so it doesn't make sense but even despite that you know they've sold out and you know that hopefully will tell them something about the kind of cars yes. Yes. they should be building so um that's one another car that i was very hard to drive the uh, aston martin vantage f1 edition um 
just because it was, you know, it's that, there's that, it's that sort of, you know, hoary old cliche about, oh, it's the car it should have been from the start. But this one, it really is, isn't it? Because it's lost almost nothing in terms of, you know, ride and refinement. It's got a bit more power, but the chassis has been completely transformed. I drove it from, well, I spent a day up in Anglesey in it, but before I did any of that, I had to get it there. So I had one of those sort of insane half past three o'clock in the morning, you know, um, get up, drive literally right through the middle of wales from you know south coast to north coast in it and it was it was just superb i was just sitting there thinking this is as good an aston martin as i've ever driven certainly as good a modern aston martin as i've ever driven um and it just really really heartened me as one of the sort of first things that the new regime has come out with um uh and you know i think that is you know i think that's very encouraging and you know how much are we looking forward to the v12 um next year um so that was another one um talking of bmws m5 cs did you drive that <laughs> yes i did monster cracking car cracking yeah. car proper m car you know they're quite rare these days i'm afraid um you know m cars that you know that the you know the m2 comp is i don't know whether it's gone or it's on the way but um you know that's not long for this world is it um so that was um that was fantastic did you did um, you actually do much in it on track at Thruxton that our track day couple of laps i didn't i I, I didn't do much um because um i basically used it to remind myself what the circuit was like um because i needed as you know i needed to be in some other stuff and and that's all i wasn't really down there but um it was fantastic to skid about um i i I was also worried about having still having some some tires to go home in on so um yeah no that was mega um a quick word about a couple of Porsches, um, new GT3. We've spoken about that lots on here, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But it's it's an interesting sort of car. Um, it's probably the best car in technical terms that I drove this year. Um, it was awesome on Anglesey. And I don't understand why the ride quality that I found so difficult when I first drove the car um, was it earlier in the year or last year, um, when those first prototypes came over, um, why that problem has to an extent gone away because the car is now livable with um on the road in a way that the first car i drove wasn't um i spoke to andreas proninger about it and he says the cars are the same so i don't really understand it uh it may be that that first car was a very very early car uh and it may be that uh it wasn't sort of properly bedded in but whatever uh, <coughs> so the gt3 was fantastic mission r i should mention talking about electric sports cars um you know, that was really, really interesting. I mean, I drove it at a Porsche Experience Center in uh, in Los Angeles. So it, was hard, it wasn't exactly the Nürburgring. Um, and because it cost, is it 8 million euros, 4 million euros, a number of millions of euros, um, you know, obviously we weren't driving it um, completely uncaught, but I still think we had 600 horsepower. Um, and for a track car, and I've said this on the podcast before, um, because there's all that stuff you don't have to think about, like, you know, sort of changing gear or worrying about where you are on the torque curve. Um, that actually made for driving around a track really, really good because you could just spend much more time thinking about the way the car was handling and spotting your lines and your braking points and that sort of thing. So that was, um, yeah, particularly um, interesting thing. And uh, is there anything else? Oh, yeah, just I'll just finally mention the Ferrari 250 Spider California recreation replica not continuation (laughs) (laughs) so this is the car that gto engineering have made and it's 
awesome it's a stunning piece of work it's a it, it is the same as the original but mildly enhanced if you want it to be so you can have a slightly bigger engine uh, slightly better suspension um, they do put some extra stiffening into the sills to make it more rigid it was a beautiful thing to drive um, i know that ferrari has now kicked off about it um, but i find the whole resto mod thing going forward um, as we go into this electro age uh, you know, electric age i think enthusiasts are going to go the other way um, and i think we're going to see more and more of these resto mods and and what i would say is that of all the ones that I've driven, that's probably as convincing in terms of it doing the job you'd want it to do. It's not actually my kind of car, because it's a kind of like a cruisy car. Um, but it is utterly beautiful, and it drives sensationally well. Um, and, yeah, I love that. And maybe, seeing as we're on old Ferraris, I should probably mention the electric Testarossa as well. Um, <laughs> <coughs> the little car company's electric Testarossa, which is actually also Ferrari's electric Testarossa. This is the you know, 75% scale uh, electric Testarossa, which is, I mean, it is made from the original drawings from the original 1957 Testarossa pontoon car, and you can order it through your Ferrari dealer, and it's got a Ferrari chassis plate. So it is Ferrari's first EV. And it does 50 miles an hour on a good day. Um, and if you like watching ridiculous handling shots of middle-aged men on three wheels, um, then, yeah, go on the app and uh, you can see me mucking about in that as well. So um, do you have any particular cars you want to add to that? Um, do you know what? When I, whenever I'm trying to remember what I've been up to over the previous 12 months or whatever, <clears throat> I just scroll back through the photo album on my phone. Because oh, very good. I, I, I always photograph, you know, the stuff that I drive. Yeah. Um, just for just my own sake really but yeah actually I realised that <clears throat> I've driven some bloody brilliant things this year um, I had a really good go in a first generation 997 GT3 the first time I'd Ooh, driven one lovely. of those in 10 years or something and it's just so great to drive um, surprisingly hardcore actually the low speed ride is actually funny it makes you laugh steering very heavy clutch very heavy gear shift very heavy but once you get going unbelievably good to drive the way it steers the gear shift the damping the engine it's easy to think actually with current modern gt porsches that you know these new engines that rev to nine they are astonishing um, but there's still something about the Mezga. When you go back and have a good go in an old Mezga engine and that probably car, that probably revs to the best part of eight, doesn't it? Yeah, I think beyond eight, eight two fifty or something maybe. Yeah, so it's not exactly sluggish, no. is it? No, it's not. Um, so that was fantastic. Um, and of course, I had my trip to Italy to Fior- to Marinello, including Fiorano, um, where I drove the SF ninety um, Assetto Fiorano. Uh, the following day, I drove a Roma. And I took it to a brilliant road, um, well, an hour or something northwest of Modena, um, to the to the Parma hill climb uh, where Enzo Ferrari first competed in a motorsport event. It just happens to be a brilliant mountain road. And actually, I thought the Roma was fantastic, um, m- more sort of athletic than I was expecting it to be, and just the speed that it had along that road was stunning. Um, and then the following day, it was the 812 Competizione at Fiorano, which is a truly spellbinding car. Um, I think, it, I, you know, I've actually only done a handful of laps um, on track in it, and that's it. 
but I loved it. And I think it's probably my favorite Ferrari. Um, it's, the reality is, how long is Ferrari going to be able to build NA V12 cars for without, not, without some hybrid assistance? Not long. It could be it. Um, and, it, you know, if that's the way that configuration that has been around for decades bows out, then it's done it in some style. Um, I also drove a prototype 959. Um, of course you did. Th- thanks to DK Engineering. Um, and I wrote about it on the app. And it was ah, such a cool thing. Not only because it's a 959 and that's just wonderful, but because this was a prototype. And so it was a... It was a sort of decontented 959, so it didn't have the adjustable suspension. Um, it didn't have things that made the 959 so clever, uh, like the tyre pressure monitoring system and other bits and pieces. And it's the car that I drove, um, one of only a handful, really just three or four, I think, maybe two or three um, prototypes in private hands. The one that what made this car special is that it's reportedly the lightest 959 in existence because it does without so much of the sort of hardware of the customer cars. Um, And it's got mega power, almost 500 horsepower, and it goes like stink. And I'm just wondering, what must that have felt like in 1986 or whatever when, you know, uh, what's your average family saloon car then? When that's... It would have been a Vauxhall Cavalier. There you go, or a, Vauxhall Ford, or a Ford Sierra, a 1.6 L Ford Sierra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and then you would have got felt like a, a spaceship, a near 500 horsepower 911, yeah. 959 with sequential turbos. <laughs> you know, it, it, I just can't imagine what that was like back in the day. Um, and uh, we've spoken about it before, but we had that brilliant day with our investor, our friend RS driver, uh, where he let us drive his. 3.2 Club Sport, his Carrera GT, and his RS4 Liter. So, you know, and also you and I had a very memorable day, didn't we, in the Cotswolds? Um, you in uh, an Alfa Romeo 8C and me in an Aston Martin DB3S, and thank you to the chap who made that happen. In terms of the stuff I've driven this year, I feel enormously privileged. I've never, I've never had a year quite like it, actually. Oh, fantastic. Well, we better make sure there's some even more next year. Can we turn our attention to people just for a minute okay because i want to i i've been thinking about who my person of the year is and i'd probably have given a different answer um 10 days ago um but i think it's lewis yeah it's interesting isn't it on the year that he doesn't even get nominated for sports personality (laughs) of the year yeah um and it's because i think this is this is the year where we've finally seen um the ultimate Lewis, um, in, you know, he didn't win the championship. We're not going to get back into that. But uh, to me, in terms of the way that he raced, but more importantly, far more importantly to me, the way he conducted himself out of the cockpit, um, particularly after being robbed at that last race, I just thought he was spectacularly impressive. Um, and, you know, I would never have... Um, I don't think I would have ever called him my person of the year in any previous year um, because, you know, I, I think you have to be more than a really good racing driver to earn an accolade like that. And I think that um, he has certainly this year come across as being a an extraordinary, you know, human being, gentleman um, and sportsman. So, yeah, so he is he is my person of the year. Um, I also want Not to Michael Massey, then. <clears throat> 
Let's just leave it at that. Um, and can I also, um, uh, just a couple of people who, who aren't with us, I mean, obviously Frank Williams' uh, passing was very sad um, for for the entire sport. I mean, extraordinary contribution. But actually, and, I, and this is just me being selfish because, you know, he was a bit of a mate. Um, I still can't quite believe Murray's gone. Um, and I'm so, I feel so lucky to have um, about, I suppose probably two years ago now, uh, I went and had lunch with Murray and I hadn't seen him for a while. Um, and we sat down and we just talked for three and a half hours and he was on fantastic form. And, you know, so often, um, you know, uh, and, and, and I had this, with, you know, I had this with Sterling as well. You know, I don't really remember the last great conversation I had with Sterling. I don't remember the last time we sat down and hooted with laughter, but I'll always be able to remember the last time I saw Murray and he was on such fine form. Um, and it was obviously an honour and a privilege to do it, but it was just such a pleasure too. Um, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to give him a bit of a shout out as well. Yeah, we've lost some characters this year. That's for sure. We have. We have. Um, good. Okay, well, I mean, we... Well, can, I, I, I just can, I mention, to... can I mention one more thing? Sorry. Uh, okay, go on. Uh, just while I'm going down memory lane and being spectacularly self-indulgent uh, I just wanted to say thank you to Max Gerardo for letting me drive my dad's Dino because um, that happened this year as well um, and if you haven't been on the app and uh, and seen the story uh, my father when I was about six or seven um, bought a 246 GT Dino um, he couldn't really afford it um, I don't think he even particularly really wanted it he just had this thing about buying a Ferrari before his 40th birthday and when he was 39 and three quarters he somehow managed to scrape together enough money to buy a very <coughs> basic standard Dino and then um, the oil crisis happened and he he, he really didn't bear, uh, drive the car very much at all and he had to drive it back to the garage he bought it from um, but that's the kind of like the car that got me it lit my fire that car um, because to me aged whatever I was seven I suppose it was the most beautiful, exciting, spectacular, wonderful thing of any kind I'd ever seen. Um, and it came into my life when I was that young and it went out again almost immediately. And then nearly half a century later, it pops up for sale um, at, uh, at Gerardo's. And um, I discover this and I go along. <coughs> presuming, expecting to find a trigger's broom because, you know, those cars have all, you know, rusted. They've all had their engines rebuilt. They've all been pulled together. They've all, so many of them have been restored badly once and have now been restored again properly. Uh, but by the end of it, you kind of think, well, how much of the original car is left? And I came and I found this car and it hadn't been restored at all. It had been so perfectly looked after. It hadn't needed it. The engine, the bodywork, you know, it came with, you know, file after file of papers. And I suddenly realised that I was looking at my father's car, not the car that my father's car had once been, but that car. Um, and I went in it and I drove it and it was ridiculously emotional for me. And I can remember sitting it in it at the end when the drive was over, um, listening to the metal tick and sort of going through all the thoughts that were going in my mind and just sort of idly pressing the button on the side of the glove box and the blood flipping open and inside was an eight track cassette of simon and garfunkel's greatest hits um and that was my father's eight track cassette and he bought it 
um, because we were all into the Beatles, the Who and the Stones, and he was into Beethoven, Mozart and Schubert. And so in some insane way, he thought the kind of the middle ground between all of that was Simon and Garfunkel. And so he bought this thing and it was clearly still in the car when he drove it, presumably somewhat miserably, back to the dealer at the end of when he realised he had to sell everything because he'd lost all his money. And half a century later, it's still in the glove box. And then I went home and with my missus, I did all the man maths in the world to see if there was any way we could somehow, you know, mortgage the children or whatever and scrape together the funds to buy this thing. And we just couldn't, which is, you know, fair enough. And somebody else has it now. But I did get a beautifully wrapped little package about three days later from Gerardo's. And it was the 8-track cassette, um, which I have now. I don't have an 8-track player to play it on, but I, I guess I can get, go and get one of those. And I don't actually need to, really, because I have, I, I've got the cassette. And it's a, it was a wonderful, wonderful keepsake, a fantastic memory to have of what in many ways is probably the most important car in my life. Um, so that was, that was probably the most extraordinary thing that happened to me in 2021. And in, and in many ways, um, in my working life. So, um, thank you, Max. Thank you, Davila. Thank you everyone at Gerardo's for making that possible for me. Um, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah. And Andrew's too modest to say, so I'll tell you all listening that he wrote a piece about it for the app, the Intercooler app. And it's one of the best pieces we've ever published and one of the best received pieces we've ever published. So, if you're a subscriber, or even if you're not, you can go and download the app and start your free trial um, and, and read the piece. I promise you it's worth doing. Um, okay, well, while we're doing thank yous, I just want to rattle through a couple. Um, thank you to JBR Capital for coming on board as our podcast sponsor. Um, it's, we're hoping to do much more with that partnership next year. And having a proper podcast sponsor on board just means we can do much, much more with this, this podcast and make it better. Um, thank you also to all of you who specifically downloaded um, our last episode about the Abu Dhabi GP um, because it was such a hot topic for you know a solid week. Um, that episode just did extremely well and it took us to the top of the UK leisure podcast charts, didn't it? Um, yes. Above all the gardening podcasts, above all the yes, above the gardening, the gardeners' <laughs> question time podcast. I mean. Bizarre. We were, we were, in fact, well, the last time I looked, we were still number one. Um, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to everybody uh, who obviously went and downloaded that and listened to it and pushed us up the charts. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's important stuff to us. And you know that you can't stay there forever because, you know, there's so much competition out there. Um, you know, there are so many great other automotive podcasts out there. Um, and uh, yeah, even, but nevertheless, uh, you know, we, we, we have got there and, uh, and we'll take it. Our first number one. Yeah, and top of the UK leisure also means top of the UK automotive. So it was a big deal to us. Um, and yeah, but the biggest thank you from me goes to everybody who subscribed to the Intercooler app. Um, yeah, we've been blown away by the support, by the reception. Um, it's, as you can imagine, you know, th- this is my full-time thing now. It's, it's extremely important to me and to both of us, all of us involved. So if you've downloaded the app <clears throat> and subscribed... Thank you so much. If we haven't yet been able to convince you to subscribe, we're going to give it a hell of a shot next year. It's just going to be better yeah. and better. Um, and also, if, if you're worried about what might be under the Christmas tree for you this year, whether it's you know another pair of socks, and you're feeling like you've had a bit of a year, and the only way you can guarantee you actually get a really good Christmas present 
um, that you're really going to want and you're going to enjoy throughout the year, could I humbly suggest, because I'm sure you deserve it, you buy yourself. Um, or don't even buy it. Take out a free month subscription to the app uh, and just see what you think. Um, we hope you'll like it. We hope you'll stay with it. We think you will. Yeah, indeed. Well, there we go. There we go. Let's leave it there for this episode for the year. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Enjoy the holidays. Happy New Year. Have a good break. We will be back um, very early in the new year. Um, so enjoy the break and we'll talk to you then. Look forward to it. Thank you all. Thank you.